0: Hey, everybody. Good to be here today. My name is Ryan, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. Wanted to give a big shout out to everyone who came, who served, who gave, who shopped, who prayed for the Christmas Angels Outreach. Let's uh, hear it for that. That was an amazing... What that was is we were able to take loads of family shopping, I don't know the exact numbers, but over 80 children were served, people came, we had breakfast, we had lunch, we got to have a great program for kids to hang out, to learn about the Lord and just the fellowship. And then a lot of us got to take uh, the parents shopping and we got to give them cash and they got to give, have $80 per kid and we gave them wrapping supplies and it was just a load of fun. So it was an awesome outreach, thanks for Chris, Bob, staff, y'all, board, everyone who showed up. It took so many people, and it was off the chain, as they say. And so I am just thankful for it and thankful for you. Um, so we're going to start off this with a uh, video clip, because this series is called What If? We're in the last week of our Christmas series, What If? And we've been taking it uh, from the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where uh, George Bailey's like, well, what if I was never born? Maybe it was better if I never came. And his buddy Clarence the angel shows up and uh, basically Clarence shows him what life would be like in Bedford Falls and in the world if he never came. And we've been talking about the last several weeks, like what if Jesus never came? What if Jesus never came in the world? What kind of a dark place would it be? Because we saw how George Bailey had capacity to light up a small town and some other places in the world by his wonderful life. But what if Jesus had never came? And so now we're going to talk about this week since he came, and we're going to watch what happens when George realizes that God was moving in his life and that his life was uh, better than throwing away and then better if he had not been born. So if we can roll that clip, that'd be great. It's kind of long but it's a great movie, so um, yeah, we see in this story, and that's a long clip, but I love the transformation of a guy who wished his life away and then was able to see in hindsight kind of what the Lord was really doing through him. He's like, God, I wanna live again, I wanna live again. And there's this amazing uh, story in the Bible of someone who kind of comes into it on the front end whose life has just basically got ruined. Mary is the mother of Jesus, um, is a young woman. She's a young woman engaged to be married, probably 13 to 15 years old. That's what, his, um, that's what history tells us, is when Jewish women would come of age, Jewish boys would come at age, at the age of 13, their bar mitzvah, and they would kind of go on to the profession, the trade they were gonna do after uh, primary school, or uh, I'm sorry, grammar school, and then either go on in education or the family trade or whatever. Girls would go from there, and uh, they would go get married. And that's what it was. And you might think that's kind of weird. Well, the average life expectancy was about 40, 45 back then. So to get married and have kids... At fifteen, isn't that crazy? If you think you're only you're a third of the way done with your life, and so what happened was Mary has this encounter with an angel that is on the brink of ruining her life. I'm going to tell you the story. If you got a Bible, open up with me to Luke chapter one, verse twenty six. In the six month of, of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to uh, to this town Nazareth, a village which was in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Mary was a virgin. She was a young woman. She was engaged. She had never been with a man, so she was a virgin. And then um, I know some people debate that in the story, but that's one of the most important parts of the story. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, Joseph had taken Mary on to be his wife, but they hadn't yet had a consummation of their marriage. And Joseph was a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared to her and said, "Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you." Now this would be very interesting because a lot of times um, authorities in those societies, even especially angelic hosts, wouldn't uh, it'd be a strange thing to engage a woman like this. Usually, when you were engaging by an angel, it was a terrifying thing. but this angel said to Mary, he said, "Greetings, favored woman or it um a lot of translations is most favored woman. Like you have the mostest. You have the most favor imaginable of any woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. Now, if someone tells you don't be afraid, isn't it interesting how it, the first feeling you feel is I'm afraid? Like, hey, just sit down. This is gonna be good. The first thing you think, it's gonna be bad. Just, I don't know, the, the way that we're wired. And the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. Now, this might not sound weird at first glance because she's like, well, I'm engaged. So we're gonna get married and do married people things and we'll have children. That was the hope, right? And so that wasn't that weird, but then the story gets really weird. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will, will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and ever and his kingdom will never end. Then Mary asked the angel, well, how can this happen? Because she's on to like, this might not be exactly what I'm anticipating. How can this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born to you will be holy. He'll be called son of God. So Mary is in a culture where if you committed, um, if you had sex outside of marriage, you could be stoned. It was a capital offense to offer your body to someone you weren't married to in ancient Jewish uh, society. So Mary is just hearing something. You're most favored, but uh, you're looking at the death penalty. Can you imagine the confusion of this young woman? I'm going to get pregnant, but it's not by my husband. It's by God. And it's going to be great. I'm going to have a child out of wedlock. The very thing I could die for, you tell me I'm favored for, and I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. What's more, your cousin Elizabeth had become pregnant in her old age. So so Mary's cousin uh, Elizabeth was now pregnant with John and Elizabeth was past uh, menopause age and she'd been barren her whole life. And so the double whammy, past the prime and past what was physically impossible for her, she's now with a child. So he's kind of setting this up and saying, yours is going to be divine, but it'll be diviner. It'll be diviner. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son in the sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. And I love, love, love Mary's response. It wasn't to go jump off a bridge like George's was. It wasn't my life's ruined. It wasn't it's over. It wasn't I'm sunk. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. She was kind of there with the posture, bring it on, Lord. And as we've uh, like perused and pondered what it would be like if Jesus came into the world or our lives, what's God been saying to you? Are you having George Bailey type kairoses about Jesus? Kairos is kind of like an aha, a light bulb about God's plan, about your place in that plan. If you know Jesus, how has your life dramatically changed as a result of his divine visitation into your normal life? What's next for us? Can you imagine the anticipation of Mary? Like, this changed everything. And now, granted, no one else is ever going to have that experience that she had. She was the one. But... Um, As we think about the fact since Jesus came, there's amazing things that can and will happen in our lives if we say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. There's this great little ditty in John chapter 17. I like to say John chapter 17 is more appropriate, the Lord's Prayer. Than what we call the Lord's prayer, because the Lord's prayer in Matthew and in Luke, the disciples said, "Teach us how to pray." Which I think those are the disciples' prayers. So as disciples, that's how we pray. We can call it whatever you want. That's just my own little. Maybe I'm trying to be too cute or too smart, but I'm really neither. But I like the fiend that I am. So, um, but I like to say John 17 is the Lord's prayer because we catch Jesus in this long, chapter-long discourse when he's about to go away, when he's about to be crucified. And he starts praying all this stuff. And he starts praying for his disciples. He starts praying for his kids. He starts praying over his people. And he prays over himself. He prays over the Lord even. And then he prays over us. And he says this kind of stuff that's kind of crazy. If you've got a Bible, turn to John 17. I just turned right past John 17. he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, these 12, but I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be one so that the world will believe that I came, or so the world will know that you sent me. But I I love the translation, like really you can unpack it, so they'll know that I came. Jesus says that our togetherness, that our agreement, that the heart of Mary, that the heart of Mary, one of the very first disciples who would say, let it be done unto me as you've said. And Jesus says, when we have that kind of life, that they'll know that I came. Is the posture of my life Point towards heaven in such a way that I say, "Let it be unto me as you've said." So they'll know that you came, Jesus. As we talked about, what if Jesus never came? What if Jesus never came? But since He did come, what does it mean to us? Since He did come, what does it mean to your life? Because I know what it means to mine. I know um, without the immeasurable grace and favor given to me, and I'm not the most favored amongst men or women, but the immeasurable favor given to me. And I say that because Mary was kind of like the one. I think Catholics overdo it. I think Protestants underdo it. Like this was a woman that was, um, out of the whole of humankind, there's now 8 billion people in the world, okay, currently. And you take all the ones that have ever lived, of all the ones that have ever lived, she was the one. So there's something about her that God must have really saw to entrust his child with. If I'm going away for a weekend and we leave our kids, like we're about one or two deep of places we'll leave our kids. If I was going to leave my kids somewhere for 33 years, you better believe that I'm going to leave it with the best of the best. And I believe that's what God did. So I want to give, uh, give some props to Mary and I believe that it was her posture of her heart that this girl is facing death and says, let it be to me as you've said. I think Mary had a, had a heart like anything's possible with you. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go, re- I'll die for this. I think there was something about this young couple that the Lord saw that he's like, my son's going there. What about in our lives does Jesus say the sun's going there? That my mission is flowing through there. I love in Luke chapter 10, you've heard me say this a bunch of times, where like Jesus is getting ready to send out, send out the 72. And he says to them, I love this little verse, and it says that Jesus sent the disciples ahead of him to all the places he planned to visit. Do you know everywhere you go in your life, from the moment you said yes, Jesus wants to visit there. Every place where there's darkness, every place where there's foulness, everywhere where there's brokenness, everywhere where there's nothingness, Jesus wants to visit there because of you because he sends the disciples ahead of him to all the places he plans to visit. And he told the disciples the same charge as Mary, take nothing with you, just trust and watch what I do. It might seem like disaster and doom. I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves, but watch what I do if you say yes to me. And I'm here to tell you, church, that Jesus wants to do something. He wants a church that says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary lived into the promise the moment she received it. And I think a lot of us have this like uh, kind of a cheap faith, Marco said. We accept Jesus as Savior, but the Lordship is another thing. And I believe if Mary had just received that thing and then never lived into it going forward, um, I don't know if she would have saw the promise. But I believe that God saw the end from the beginning and saw her heart and was like, this is someone who will carry it out. Are we people that will carry out what God's put on our hearts? Because I believe that this has been, so this is our last Sunday this year when we're actually gonna meet. Next week, next uh, week on Christmas, we're gonna have an online thing that uh, you can watch with your family or with your friends. We're gonna have that. But the last time we're physically meeting here on a Sunday, we're also gonna have two services this Friday on Christmas Eve, Eve. We'll have two services. But the last Sunday we're gonna meet, and I think it's been a year where the Lord's done a lot in our church. I'm so anticipating um, his goodness to be poured out in 2023. We've we've had some year, we've had some growing pains, we've had some changes, we've had sifting and shifting, but the Lord has been moving in our lives because I believe that so many of you are people who say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be everything you've said about me. May it all come true. So as we look to 2023, as we look back and we look at our lives, and it's been a year we've been talking about kairoses. We've been talking about what the Lord's saying to us. We've been talking, we've been a church, I believe, that's getting ready because I believe that there's a unique destiny of this place that transcends all of us. I believe that God started something a long time ago with some pioneers who went west and came back, who planted something here, and even prophetic words in these walls that say, May it be as you've said. Amen. And I believe that God has rose a church kind of out of the ruins the last couple of years because he wants to do what only he can do and he picks those that no one else wants and those that are on the ropes and says, that one's mine. God loves to move in the impossible in our lives, but he, will, he, he gives his invitation to so many people, but I believe it's those who say yes get to see him. What's the difference between the chosen and the not? The chosen choose, the chosen choose to love him back with the love that he gives them. They say yes to him, and then he does things in our lives that are unspeakable, unimaginable, and impossible with anyone else. And so what's what's in it for us? What's that thing that Jesus has ahead that we've plowed such hard ground that we've you know been in the gutter swinging or faithfully hung on or prayed or gave or shared or cried or we've lost friends and family we've been on alone and we've been on these islands and we're asking Jesus to come and we've said I've wanted this thing I've wanted this thing so bad and I've seen nothing happen but be it unto me do as you want what's that thing I believe that the outline of what God wants to do here is, um, I don't think it's any less than amazing. I think the healing, the miraculous, the discipleship, the transformed families, marriage, children, lives, and generation are going to astound us if we'll say yes, just like Mary did. If we'll say, I am the Lord's servant, may everything you've said about me come true. Because a lot of times, you know, we can talk about Jesus as Lord, and it sounds scary to submit our lives and our wills and our affection, our attention, our time, talent, treasure, and it can sound scary. But the fruit of it, when we do, God doesn't need much. Like, like, uh, I don't know, Mark also said, like, he doesn't ask us for that much. He says, give me 10% and watch what I do. He says, it's like a mustard seed. You give me something this big, and I can outshine everything in the garden with it. You give me something this big. You give me, you want a tree, but you, I give you seeds. And if you tend them faithfully, watch what I do. Watch the forest that I give you. What's God inviting you to in your life, personally, as a family, in this church? I believe one of the things he's calling us to is um, I believe there's darkness in our world. I believe there's unprecedented evil that crouches at our doorstep. I'm not saying that to scare you, but there is. If you're blind to that and you don't believe that, you are truly blind. And Jesus says, if the light inside you is dark, how great is that darkness? If we don't have spiritual eyes that can see the wickedness in us and around us, um, we are ripe for the pickings in our lives. There's unprecedented evil that lurks in our city. There's unprecedented darkness that wants to moving us, maim us, destroy us, and lead us astray. And I believe that there's a blight um, that exists in our world that I feel like God is calling us to fight. I believe there's a lostness. I believe there's a brokenness. And you heard me um, just a couple weeks ago when um, worship, we talked about like the trafficking of, trafficking of men, women, and children that exists in our world. Uh, Polaris Project website says human trafficking is the business of stealing freedom for profit. In some cases, traffickers trick, defraud, or physically force victims into selling sex. In others, victims are lied to, assaulted, threatened, uh, manipulated into working under inhumane, illegal, or otherwise unacceptable conditions. It's a multi-billion dollar criminal industry that denies freedom to 25 million people around the world. And I would say that some other things I've read, that number might be closer to 100 million when you consider the amount of people living as refugees that willfully traffic themselves every day because they're denied stuff like food, water, shelter. And I say all this because um, we have to do something. We have to do something. I believe kind of 2021 was a year when God was um, returning us to a posture of prayer, to a posture of the prophetic, a a posture of fasting and of worship and just saying, Jesus, come, do whatever you want to do. We want to hear from heaven. This year has really been a year of sifting and shifting, like I said, and clearing out the drains. That's a disciple-making year. When Jesus is uh, calling his church to be a holy church and a surrendered church that does life together well and that digs in and presses in and says, we are better together than we are by ourselves. And we're seeing that. I believe 2023, one of the glorious things, this is going to be a year of out. It's going to be a year of unprecedented mission. And I believe that Jesus is calling us to do something about about the human trafficking ills in our city. We're a top four city in the country. Cincinnati is greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky. We're a top four city for human trafficking movement. I don't wanna be top four at that. That's like top four worst people. That's like, hey, you got Hitler, you got Mussolini, you got Stalin, like, you know, you got Mao. That, we're kind of on that list as a country by how much stuff moves through here, how much darkness passes by. And I don't wanna be a church that is um, tantamount to the priest and the Levite and the Good Samaritan story that sees it and steps over it or passes the other way on the other side of the street. We're not gonna do that. Jesus says, that was the one, the one that stopped. The, 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 The guy who stopped for the one was the one who that day that I called you to be like. And so as we're thinking, like, you might say, oh, well, this isn't that exciting. I thought we were going to get, like, Christmas presents sort of thing. No, we're going to be the Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be like, we're going to be like, uh, like the God bearer. We're going to be willing to have this thing pass through us, move through us, to be a blessing to people, to generations, to a world trapped in bondage. Because there's people in this room that have been trafficked. There are people in this room that have participated in the trafficking, either through watching, um, you know, internet pornography, or maybe picking up a prostitute, or, you know, other things. That, that It's happened. It's real. It's in here. And we're not shaming anyone for it. Because it's part of the gross world we live in that we needed a light in the darkness, that we needed someone like Jesus to do what none of us ever could. We needed someone like him. We absolutely had to have it. None of us could push it back. None of us could do it alone. None of us was capable, even together, of pulling it off. But just like the mother of God, are we willing to be interrupted and to go? Because I believe that the thing that was most defining about her life was that she said yes, and she said yes, and she said yes, and she said yes. And And that's the thing that Jesus is gonna ask us when we stand before him someday. He's gonna say, not how tall was your tree or how big was your forest? He's gonna say, did you say yes to me over and over again? And yes is just saying, it's our way of saying, I love you. Yes is how we blow him kisses. Yes is how we court his heart. Yes is how we show people that he came. It's how we show people he came. Our obedience, do you know your obedience to God shows people that he came? That our unity as a body, that our collective um, willingness to say yeah points the world to a hope that they wouldn't see otherwise. Because I don't believe any one of us can do that much except for this man named Jesus who did come. But we wanna be people that say yes. Does it describe us? I believe it does. I believe that we're positioned at a time in a place in a um, season that we're not going to miss the time of our visitation. I believe we were shaken, but I believe the things that have been left, those remaining things, God is going to do a tremendous work because we're the Lord's servant. May everything he said to us come true. May every prophetic promise here come true because I don't know if he's gonna come back in my lifetime, but I know he's coming back. I know Jesus Christ is coming back because I know that he came. And I know everything he said is true. So I wanna invite you, I encourage you the next couple weeks, take some time, fast and pray and say, Jesus, what are you doing in my church? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in my heart? Where do you want to rearrange things in me? Where do you want to dissect? What do you want to add to? What do you want to do in this time, Lord? Because may it be so, everything you've said. I'm your servant. Young people, do the same thing. There is no limit to what God can do through you. And Mary was younger than most of you. or about y'all's age. And look what he did with her. The God bearer was a child. Jesus was a youth pastor. So Jesus loves kids. A lot of times we're too washed up and it takes too long to unlearn. But what you can learn now is just say, Lord, I am your servant. Everything you've said about me come true. So I encourage you to take some time the next couple weeks and fast and pray and say, heaven, what are you doing? I wanna go. I wanna be the one. I wanna do whatever you've called me to do because I wanna join you in your quest to seek and save that which is lost. Not saying that there's not other good things we can do. I just feel like this human trafficking thing is something we're supposed to do collectively as a church. And it's gonna take more prayer, more resources, more lives, more individuality, more creativity, more eagerness than any of us has by ourselves. And you might say, well, I don't, this doesn't resonate with me. Well, just get before Jesus and say, does it resonate with you, Lord? Because I think you'll find, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, in Luke chapter four and Isaiah 61, Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he rolled out to release those who are in bondage from captivity. And since he came, since the Holy Spirit came, what do we do from here? And we believe that we're gonna love God that we're gonna make disciples and we're gonna impact the world. So I'm, I'm, I encourage you to just um, pray. I encourage you to invite people. Start talking to your friends and neighbors. Say, hey, we got this problem. What do you think about this? Because a lot of times, do you know people will come with you to mission before they'll ever come to church? Start getting creative in your house group. Start getting creative in your family. Start asking people, like, what do we do about this? We've got a problem. And maybe there's a person of peace there that we never knew. Maybe there's someone that God's been setting up and drawing for a long time. But I encourage you to talk about the mission. Invite people along. Ask for ideas. Because we need to hear from heaven. And we'll take it however we can get it. We wanna hear from God. So if you get things in prayer, email them to me. Call me, text me, whatever, other people on staff or uh, like our elder team, just do it. Everyone gets to play here and we need to hear from heaven because this is a dangerous undertaking. I looked up and I couldn't really find anything in Cincinnati that's tangibly going on. Some of that might be is people don't wanna broadcast what they're doing because it puts a target on your back. But we know this is something that we can't just willy-nilly do. And so I'm just going to pray. If, if, if you need prayer today, you're like, man, this scares the crud out of me, but I, I want to be obedient. Or you're like, man, I, I, I want to be like Mary. I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to him. Today's your day. We never want to miss an opportunity for people to come to Jesus because that's why we do what we do. And we're also not afraid to go the dark, lowly. We're not afraid afraid to go to the people like Jesus went to. Jesus didn't go to some, some princess in a palace. Jesus went to some pauper in the hills, went to some podunk little place to some podunk little girl and looked at her heart and not at her, what she had on the outside. And we're going to be people that are the same. So prayer people, if you want to just go, just, we're just going to pray. And if you gotta go or if you gotta get kids or whatever you gotta do, Bengals game ain't on until 4.30. So um, we're just gonna pray. And we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come because I believe that um, there's something divine that he wants to do. And I'm not trying to overstate it. I don't wanna overpromise, underdeliver. but like the Lord, the Lord can't do that. The door, I mean, just look at, look at this world. Look at your DNA. Look at what he's done in your heart if you know him. So Jesus, will you just come, will you meet us here? Every life, every mind, every person that's saying yeah to you, everyone that worship today, everyone that just, I don't even know what the heck I'm doing in here. Maybe you're like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing in this church. Lord, would you come in our lives today and would you pour out your spirit upon us? Would you interrupt us, Jesus, like you interrupted Mary? Would you let us say, let it be so, as you've said, everything you've promised, for I'm your servant. Lord, and if people don't know you today, is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus. It says, I, I, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know this God you're talking about. I want that change that Mary and George Bailey had. Anyone here say that today? That like, I, I wanna give my life to Jesus or I wanna give my life back to Jesus. Is there anyone? I'm not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable when you're like, maybe you're not comfortable raising your hand, but come up and receive prayer. Is, is anyone sick today? Anyone need healing? Anyone just sick of your kids or family or your workplace just going through it? Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm in here, I shouldn't be. I've been vomiting or going out the back end or fever in the last 24 hours, not following what we tell our kids to do. Maybe you're here today. We believe that the Lord can heal you. So Lord, would you just come? Would you move in people's lives and bodies today? I pray just for an amazing Christmas time. I pray for an amazing uh, new year and we look forward to what you're gonna do in 23. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. We praise you and we bless your name, Lord. We thank you that you're better to us, that we can have the same impact, that we're having the same impact as George and Mary when we say yes to you. It's in your mighty and beautiful name we pray, King Jesus, amen. All right, go and sin. Get prayer if you need it. Love y'all.